the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. There's 400 tons of steel and rust. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. Each episode, we welcome musicians, actors, comedians, authors, visual artists, filmmakers, anyone who creates art to talk about how and why we make stuff. This is episode 149, and our guest is Terry Klein. Terry is a singer and songwriter based in Austin, Texas. His new record, Leave the Light On, will be released in November of 2023, and y'all, it is excellent. Terry's lived a really interesting life. He spent time in politics and as an attorney before turning full-time to songwriting, a decision that proved to be both liberating and fulfilling. We dive into that choice, the importance of characters, the power of music, and so much more in this conversation. I do want to give you a quick production note. I don't know what happened, but Terry's vocal is more quiet than you would normally expect from one of our recordings. He sounded great when we recorded. These things just sometimes happen, and I don't always have answers. I don't think it's going to bother most of most folks, but I just wanted to give you a heads up in case you're like, what do you say? I don't think it's that quiet. I think you'll be all right. Everyone, it's my pleasure to bring you my conversation with Terry my tie was tied too tight I was sweating in my suit My soul shot up with an overcame That used to be my dream Is that a little bit better? Not that is significantly sure better. Okay, good. <laughs> how, do, how do I sound on your end? You sound great. Good. Thanks for doing this, man. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Me too. Um, I've been like, leave the light on your new record. Um, is is one that grabbed me immediately, and I um, I love that feeling. I love that. Like, there are plenty of records that I I give several spins, and eventually it hits me, um, it sinks its teeth into me, or whatever. It's tines into me, and and then there are those like this one that immediately uh, grab me, and. It's such a wonderful feeling to to hear a record like that that you connect connect with on such a deep level from the beginning because then it just gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and gives, and every listen has given me more and more and more. You've made an absolutely brilliant record, man. Thank I mean, you. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, you're welcome, right. and I, and I'm excited to dive into it. But you know, it's it what was interesting to me because it was a jumping off point because I do want to get deep into the record and the process and everything, but. As I was uh, looking, kind of you know, doing research and getting to know a little bit more of your background, stuff started to make sense. Like, you got a political oh, side. So- I'm going to learn something. 
<laughs> well, it's all maybe only in the sense of the connection between me and and your music because I feel okay. like our lives in many ways have followed a similar path. I majored in political science. You majored in political science. I didn't really work long in politics, but I interned on Capitol Hill. Um, I I went to law school. I graduated from law school. You practiced law um, and then turned to the creative life. And so I, I'm really interested in that choice and that decision, because I think for so many of us, we talk about this a lot on the show. Uh, so many of us do this kind of normal route, whatever that means, right? And then we realize we have this inside of us, this creativity, this something we need to make that we need to get out. And it's scary to try to to take that leap. Um, can we go back a little bit and just sort of talk about like when you had a sense that you were a creative person and when you had a sense that you were someone who needed to write songs? Oh, well, you know, I think that um, I, I, I come from kind of a creative family. Mm. Um, my, my dad uh, is retired now, but he was a journalist and, and a novelist. And, um, uh, and so kind of the, the act of kind of artistic creation, I've just been around it for as long as I can remember. Um, his mom, uh, was a wonderful musician and his grandfather was a songwriter, um, who mm -hmm. wrote, um, a couple of standards and that kind of thing. Um, and so it's just kind of, I think it's just very much in me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I found my way to the guitar when I was a teenager, like a lot of people do. Um, I was in bands that were that were good um and that played at cool venues and and such and i wrote a lot of riffs um but never wrote lyrics um mm. never wrote full songs with a verse and a chorus and a bridge and that sort of thing that just wasn't that just wasn't part of what i did but i feel like that riff writing um uh has contributed just a whole lot to um to how i put songs together the importance of there being some kind of rhythmic motif or a melodic motif like that i think has been a really big part of it for me as to why this this worked you know mm. i've really put the guitar away when i was about 20 um and uh, and I moved it around with me, like from apartment to apartment and house to house. Um, but, uh, and I picked up an acoustic guitar somewhere in there. And then just about exactly 10 years ago, um, mm -hmm. in November of 2013, um, I wrote a song for our younger daughter, um, and, uh, and then wrote another song and then wrote another song. And it was just very apparent to me that and I, I i hesitate to put it this way because it seems so it seems like such like dunning kruger kind of <laughs> ridiculousness it felt right away like this is what i should be doing mm. um if there's some way that i can do this if there's some way that i can pull this off this is what i should be doing um and uh 
you know, I music has has been an insanely important part of my life uh, mm. forever. Um, I remember in like the early 2000s, like downloading stuff on iTunes and such and thinking to myself, OK, I just paid 10 bucks for this record. And it was probably something bad. You know, it's probably like a Coldplay record or a Radiohead. <laughs> you know, Radiohead is good, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. X and, and Y. It was yes. Coldplay's X and Y. <laughs> right. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm I I love to read too. I spend 10 bucks on a book, I read it and I put it in a bookcase. You know, mm -hmm. this when when I bought records, I was like, this is gonna be like my friend for the next like five to ten to fifteen to twenty years. Um, and nothing made me feel like music. Nothing to this day makes me feel the way that music does. It makes me mm. feel incredibly alive. Mm. Um, and it just sort of an electric it's, um, uh, it's just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. So 10 years ago, and, and I think that number itself is significant to me, at least I, I've been trying to totally get my head around the explosion of really great songwriting that has at least come into my consciousness, but I feel like has come into a lot of folks' consciousness since 2013. I trace it back to Jason Isbell's Southeastern. Mm. You know, I really think that that record has a, had an outsized influence on a whole genre, basically carved out sort of its own subgenre, I think. And uh, there's no success of the Zach Bryans of the world or even the Tyler Childers of the world without that record, I don't think. And I wonder if there was something happening then other than that realization that you had something, I don't know, maybe I'm getting a little too cosmic here when I say this, but like, was there a, a movement do you think at the time or like, I don't know, something in the air um, or was it, were you consuming those kinds of things or like something that was like fresh and new to you at the time? Um, so in the fall of 2011, I was picking up our older daughter from school in Boston, Massachusetts, which is where we lived then. Mm -hmm. I was picking her up. We, and I was about to get out of the car and a song by Hayes Carl came on called K Mag Yo-Yo. Oh yeah. And I'd never heard the song. Um, and I'd never really in my mind, I'd never heard anything like it, you know, like growing up, my dad and my brother used to listen to a ton of that Waylon Jennings live album and that kind of thing. But like, this was like just a different kind of deal. I loved his voice. I loved the instrumentation. I loved the energy. Um, and it was like one of those sort of like pull over to the side of the road kind of moments that. Yeah. We've like that like our parents tell us about like listening to bob dylan or the beatles or that kind of thing for me it was hayes carl yeah and uh and so as soon as i heard that i went home i looked up his other stuff i bought his other stuff and and i set up back in the day a pandora radio station um that was a hayes carl pandora station and that led me to towns and that led me to Guy Clark, and that led me to Prime, and to the Turnpike Troubadours, and uh, and just this entire universe of music about which people had been passionate for a while. 
-hmm. you know, but that I had not really been exposed to. Um, and it was like finding, it was like the dreams about when you find an, a room in your house that you didn't know existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so I started like reading blogs and trying to figure out, all right, who's the next, like, you know, who, if I like Hayes Carl, who else am I going to like? And so like, I found Jamie Johnson, um, uh, and, uh, and Sturgill Simpson a little bit later, but I remember reading about the Isbell record shortly after it came out. Um, and, uh, and I bought that record, I think the summer before I even started writing songs. Oh, so wow. like the notion of, you know, the, 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 the person who Hayes Carl really turned me on to for some odd reason, and I, I don't know what the direct line is, but was Hank Williams, um, senior. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I loved about that and what I loved about Southeastern was that it was so vulnerable um in a way that like you just don't you think of country music and you know me growing up it was just sort of like you know beer and trucks and you know that sort of stuff and but it's but that's that was what i was perceiving as country music was like a super tiny sliver of this immense wonderful genre Man, what a great story. Hayes has uh, been a guest on my show. I, I, he was a dream guest for ever. And I got to sit down with him last year in person, which was such a treat. He played in Central Florida um, last year. And I, I got to, to go down to Lake Wales, Florida and sit down with him. He's a fucking delight of a human being too. Like mm -hmm. on top of all of that stuff. Like it was just such a great moment for me. So for folks listening, if you haven't heard that, definitely go back and listen to that. But I I completely get how Hayes was that entry point. Mm. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I don't know that I heard Hayes's influence in your, your songs, but now I do. Cause I think one of the things that is, I want to talk about uh, characters here in a second, before we get to that though, I don't want to skip over the mo that, that moment, a little bit deeper dive into that moment because it is the moment where you decided to get into to really go for songwriting because that's a huge leap, right? Like that's a that can be a very scary thing. And I, you know, I'm at this kind of crossroads in my life where I'm a I'm a teacher, I'm a middle school teacher. I love my job. I'm very happy. I had a great week. My kids are amazing. They're writing poetry and shit. It's fucking amazing. Um, beautiful poetry, like unbelievable stuff. And so I don't know that I'll ever totally quit that, but I am at the place where I I really want to lean into my creative work. I want to write more. I want to get paid for my writing. I want to podcast more, even though I'm producing two episodes a week. I, but I could I want to do more because I'm having so much fun with it. It's so fulfilling. Like what what I'm hearing you talk about when you talk about music. That's how I feel right now about my writing, mm -hmm. about my podcasting. And I want to lean into it. And so I wonder if you learned any lessons when you made that decision, like looking back on it, is there anything like maybe advice you would give to former you or um, any reflections you have on making the decision to, to go full in on this? You know, um, the answer to that question depends on the day, um, <laughs> the sort of what advice I would give to my former self. What I'll, what I'll say about the moment itself, I think, um, 
and you know moments sort of broadly let's let's say it's like january of 2014 or working into february and i'm writing about a song a week and uh mm. they're bad they're they're not good songs none of them will ever be played for anybody um mm. uh but like my face changed like the the tension around like my eyes and in my temples and all that kind of stuff it just like all of a sudden like i was smiling more it was um it was really cool my wife noticed mm. um and she at that point was just like whatever whatever we can do to make this thing something you do more of and at that point it was just like i'm just writing songs you know just like you know if i have to take the girls and like go out on a saturday afternoon so you can sit and write i'm gonna i'm gonna do it because it makes you so happy wow um and uh this was in marked contrast to my 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 job as a as a lawyer where by this point my wife just wouldn't even ask me how my day was because mm. it would it would just cause me to kind of spiral um you know so we like we just we cannot discount the importance of that support like at all like mm. she, you know and and it's worked out really well for both of us this kind of big move where you know now she kind of focuses on her day career and i'm and so i can cover stuff during the day because musicians work at night and so her career has totally taken off since I started to do this full time seven years ago. Um, wow. Um, and we didn't anticipate that. Like that was just totally uh, fortuitous. Wow. That's incredible. I'm so glad that it worked out that way. I mean, I, but there has to be something in, I mean, first of all, what I'm hearing there is just, just the, the power of having a supportive partner in that. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's is clearly invaluable. And, a huge part of, of the success of it. Um, but also there has to be something to, uh, and I don't know whether it's just the quality of the work you're doing, the dedication you have to the craft or what that made it work in that way, because a lot of folks could go into that. And I, and I've seen it, I've seen friends who go for it full time and they, they, it just, next thing you know, they're back to doing whatever their regular job was, you know? Um, and so that's really interesting. As we talk about this, if you think of anything that maybe, I don't know, has also helped you sustain that other than the the things that we've discussed, I'd love to, you know, interject and, and I'd love to hear about it. But but I do want to dive into the record because, yeah. uh, man, it's great. It's just like, again, it's just been the constant companion and it's the kind of, you know, you mentioned Hayes, uh, you know, I, I was listening to it and there's so much sort of like reminiscent of James McMurtry and Ray, Ray Wiley Hubbard and all these great songwriters that I love so much and these characters, man, just, I, I, I listen to Blue Hill Bay over and over again, the, the character in that song and, and the, this lyric just lays me out. Uh, me and Sarah kind of sort of, but it's on and off. She works at Thurston's. Her ex is a cop. He pulled me over one night last March, tried to make me sweat while he chuckled in the dark. I, when I first heard it, I thought it said you said shoveled in the dark. I thought he was threatening to bury you. 
uh, or the bury the character. And then I, I saw the lyrics on the page and I was like, well, either one works, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's a killer fucking line, man. And it's just like the whole song is great. You you empathize with this character who has this very ordinary life that sounds incredibly romantic and exciting the way you tell the story. Hmm. Um, can you talk about that, about that character in, uh, in particular and sort of how that came about? Uh, absolutely. We, for a lot of years, would go up to Maine, uh, to, uh, to Mount Desert Island, to the, the quiet side of the island, to a little town called West Tremont, and we would rent a house, and it had a view of Blue Hill Bay, uh, which is kind of like the, um, the west side of the island. Um, so, and we loved it. And I, you know, from the first time that we, you know, we started going before I started writing songs. And then when we went back after I had started writing songs, I was like, I need to write a song about Maine. Hmm. And so I would like try to do this stuff and hang out and write these kind of imagery dense things, not character focused things about Maine. Um, and, uh, and, and then one morning I was sitting here in my glamorous writing room, uh, looking out um, on a winter day. Um, and I thought I saw a cardinal sitting in a tree right at the, on the fence line, you know, and in the winter, like those red birds are like super, it's super intense because nothing, there's no color. Like there's, it's kind of browns and grays, even in Austin in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um and so um and so the first line you know the proud little red bird sitting in a tree that just hit me and i was like okay what is going to happen now what 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 is this song going to be and i was like you know what uh we had um i think we'd gone to maine the previous summer um i i was like you know i'm going to i'm going to put this person in maine and i'm going to put this person I'm going to make this kind of a, the, the guy that you, you see up there all the time, um, you know, who drives around in a truck and, um, you know, he doesn't give a crap and it's just like, he's just who he is and he's never going to change. Um, and, uh, and so once I had that character in my mind, um, and this is always the way it works for me. It just the lines kind of started to come, um, and uh, um, and you know, so you know, I, I, it's funny. You're the second person who's who's focused on the 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 chuckle and the dark line. Um, one of my friends who is a is a songwriter who I love so much and who I think will have a record coming at some point soon. A woman named Heather Little, um, who's a brilliant songwriter. Um, I tour with her and Stefan Prigmore, who I know who you've had. On yeah, that. absolutely. Um, yeah. But uh, Stefan's the best. He is. He is fantastic. Um, I'm actually going to go see him after we hang up. Oh, tell um, him I said hello, please. I will. Um, but uh, Heather focused on that line when I sent her the record. She was like, because I, I don't play that song live a whole lot um when we're playing because i'm sort of playing the hits 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And she was like, Terry Klein, I don't know why you didn't share this song with me because I, I you know, that line. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that character, interestingly. Like, I don't know uh. if, if I like him or if I don't like him. Maybe it depends on the day. Um, uh, and like, that's like, that's when I know that I've, I've got it. Like, that's when I know that it's, it's good. But when, when, when the listener, when I know that a listener is going to hear something that means something to them, you know, and it doesn't really matter what I am. I don't kind of force people to believe something about something. I just kind of let them experience the facts of what happens and come to their own conclusions. I, you paint, I think from, as I perceive that character, you paint him very, you paint him as a very sympathetic character. Like I, I really, I like him. I just straight up like him. I'll, I'll say it like that. I mean, I think he he feels stuck in so many ways, but he also has this kind of like, I don't know if optimistic is the right attitude about his situation, but he's sort of um, acceptance. He has a certain acceptance to his um his life and his situation. And I envy that he doesn't seem very restless to me. Hmm. And I, I really like that about him. He seems like he's just like, he's, he's at peace with who he is and where he is. He knows himself. He's at peace with who he is and where he is. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's why I really connected with him. Um, and then of course those killer lines like that. I mean, and the song's full of that. And so is, I mean, the whole record is full of, uh, you know, stunning lines and stunning scenes. Another one that I, another character I really like is old skunk face McGee on mm. this two shall pass. Um, that's another one of my favorite songs on the record. It made me think of, there's a Paul Thorne song and I can't, it's been driving me crazy. I can't seem to think of it. The character's name is like stone cold, stone red Fox or stone cold uh -huh. Fox or something. I don't know. Quick Brown Fox. I don't know, but he, it's a, a similar kind of feel and, uh, this old skunk face McGee is just like into so much. And the song itself is such a, um, a rollicking song. It's just so much fun to listen to. Uh, how about like, before we get into maybe talking about more specific characters, kind of backing up in, in your process, you mentioned that when you have the character, once you get that character, you said that the lines then start to flow. Yeah. And, is your process in kind of uh, arriving at that character similar to what you just described with the Blue Hill Bay character where you sort of have this sort of, I don't know, abstract idea in your head of what you want to say, but then something happens and it makes you think of a character? Is that a, a common process for you? Is that how it's always it sort of always happens or are, are there different ways that you get to those characters? Um, I'm like insufferable about a lot of this stuff and about like the kind of what are you trying to say question i am i am like when i start to talk about it my friends just roll their eyes um because it is not my i don't view it as my job as a songwriter to say anything mm. i drew my I, I view myself as a conduit that there's there are ideas out floating in the universe and the ether and they 
of unlucky days find their way to me and I just kind of channel them out. Um, you know, it's like, uh, I feel like Lori McKenna like referred to herself as a song chaser or something like that. Um, you know, so, um, so the, the, the process for me, um, it's really rare that, um, that the keepers come from me being like, I want to write a song about this. Mm. It tends to be that I've been thinking about something or experiencing something or thinking about a problem in the world or something like that. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I sit down and I, and when I'm in writing mode, which is most of the time, um, I sit down and, and just sit and, and see what comes out. And very often it tends to be something that I've been thinking a whole lot about. Um, and with skunk face McGee, like that was one where the first line popped into my head and I have no idea where it came from. Um, mm. I'd been reading a bunch of Jim Harrison novellas. He has a, a series of novellas about a character named Brown dog. Um, and, uh, and, and it's people like that kind of populate those stories. Um, so I'd been, so, so, so I kind of saw this person in my mind's eye, but at the same time, I'd been thinking a tremendous amount about the Zen parable of the farmer, um, which is this kind of, it, it's, it's a, it's a famous parable where a farmer's son, like, breaks his leg and people are like oh what a shame and then the army comes the next day to conscript him but they can't because he has a broken leg and they're uh you know and everybody's always kind of saying this is so great and he or this is horrible and he says well maybe um and uh and so like i just had that running through my head and i found and you know the skunk face character popped into my head and i was like all right let's see if i can let's see what let's see if we can do some kind of alchemy on this, <laughs> uh, and, and put these two together. Okay. So I hear you say, right. You said that you consider yourself more of a conduit that you're not really necessarily trying to say something in the song. I, I think this is interesting. And maybe this is just a comment more than a question because politics and law are all about saying something are all about like you're trying to make a point you're trying to get something across you're trying to communicate a very specific position on things and i wonder if you are conscious of were you like running as far away from that as you could or was that like a or maybe even subconsciously that your writing process became sort of like the opposite of that way of communicating well you know, what chased me out of the law was the realization that we're all any of us have um, mm. and that we have so little time um, that why not focus on being good to each other to the greatest mm. extent possible? Like, um, uh, and, you know, showing compassion and that kind of thing. And those are just not, notions that that the law that and especially the kind of litigation that i was engaged in those that's just not that doesn't come into it. you are mm -hmm. an advocate 
you are a zealous advocate um you are trying to get people to believe things um and come to certain conclusions and um yeah um and so when i found songwriting i was like wow this is like um think about like the possibilities for connection here where like you know where i have this song and and somebody it's going to resonate with somebody for some reason um maybe they have somebody in their family who is depressed maybe they have maybe they're depressed you know maybe um they have um they're having money trouble you know maybe they've had had a broken heart you know i, I hope they have because that's kind of a critical part of being alive but like <laughs> you know um you know that it just like it struck me as all right you know i had this revelation at my desk five years ago that this is a ridiculous waste of time and mm. now i can focus it in this area you mm. know so that's like those are the stories that i i seek to the greatest extent possible is is those stories where where i think that people are going to connect in some way with some aspect of of the lyric um and yeah Oh my God, that's beautiful. And I can 100% relate to so much of that. I I just recently went through a kind of extended bout of unemployment in large part because I refused to just take a job for a paycheck. I was able to make it all work, you know, and pay my bills in the, in the interim. And I found that like, especially having been in education for so long, it is it is so important to me to be able to do things where I can connect, where I can sort of make a difference. And you can do that in all kinds of different disciplines, but given the sort of gifts and privilege that I have, I want to be able to, to go to work every day since I have the choice of what I want to do. I want to be able to go to work every day and feel like I am making a connection that the work that I'm doing is impacting somebody in a way on in a, in a much deeper level and that it is going to, enrich their life in some way. And I, I interviewed for a um, financial planning job and no offense, financial planners out there listening uh, at all, but just, it wasn't for me. Like they, they liked me, they wanted me to do it, you know, and, and I have a lot of skills that would translate to that world. And, but ultimately I was looking at it and I thought I could probably make a lot more money doing that yeah. than what I'm doing now. But as I looked at it, I was just like, are you going to, I could just, I could see myself getting home and drinking more than I want to. I could see myself in the, that pit of depression on a Sunday. I could see, you know, I could feel, I could see that picture in my mind. And even though I wouldn't have to worry about my bills being paid, it wasn't worth it. And ultimately for me at least. Right. And so ultimately I got back into teaching and found a great job and it's wonderful, but I, I 100% connect with what you just said that like for me the work that i do whether it's creative work whether it's the the educational work that all of that stuff for me has to have something that connects to a uh, sort of a core value of mine and if it doesn't connect to a core value of mine then i know that i'm not going to be happy you know yeah yeah absolutely um i i i don't think that i kind of I, I hacked my, my way through the reasoning to that extent. Um, 
uh, it was more of just sort of a series of realizations after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you came to those realizations because you've written this incredible record. It's beautiful. I love um, just one more um, like superlative about it. I love how I'm all, you know, and I think most people listening to this agree with me. We're album people. You know, I like, I like a cohesive work. I mean, don't get me wrong. Release your single. It's great. You know, I mean, it, I know how much work goes into something like that and I, I get it. Um, and I get the world we live in right with streaming, but I want your record and I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be top to bottom cohesive and buddy, this thing is just so cohesive. It feels like a complete work and there's not a missed moment on it. There's not a missed line. There's not a, I mean, everything, it sounds so good too. Production's fantastic. Everybody playing on it's on point. It's just great top to bottom. I appreciate you saying that a lot. And, you know, my philosophy of making records is you take the 10 best songs that you haven't recorded yet um, mm. and you bring them into the studio. You don't, you know, sit and agonize with the producer for over 30 songs and let the producer pick. No, the artist picks the, the songs that they think are their 10 best unrecorded songs and goes in. And they go in and 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 knock it out, and that's that's been my philosophy um, since since the first record. Hmm. What's super cool about the cohesiveness con uh, comment is that um, we made this record in in seven hours. What um, we we tracked it over the course. We tracked, you know, we tracked it really entirely over the course of six hours and then a steel player came in the next day and added some steel to four tracks um but it's almost entirely live it is between 10 o'clock and four o'clock on june 23rd it is me it is my voice with um with no special adornments and you know you know minimal overdubs on on i think half the songs or most of the songs no overdubs it's just a vocal mm. take um wow and uh and that to me adds like this element of continuity that um that will always be so meaningful to me it there is such continuity to the album i think because of that almost more than the songs oh i'm so glad you shared that that's incredible we usually end on what you're getting down on. So that's the art that has you inspired right now. You mentioned that period where you were reading the Jim Harrison novellas. Like, what are you reading or listening to or what's got you fired up right now? Uh, so uh, listening to a lot of Anna Tivel. Um, okay. Last name is T-I-V-E-L. She's a songwriter from Portland, Oregon, um, who is who who may well be like the best person doing this at all wow anywhere right now uh i saw her last week here in austin and and it was just a it was a show where like everybody walked out kind of wide-eyed at the fact that we just experienced that so i'm listening to a lot of anna tivel i'm listening to a lot of kind of bluegrass and acoustic music uh because I created this playlist for when I'm on the road to prevent me from having panic attacks. 
uh-huh. while I'm driving. Uh-huh. Oh, I, oh God, I can relate to that. And I found bluegrass uh, to be uh, to be really super useful for that. So you know, there's Norman Blake and there's Tony Rice and Billy Strings and you know cool. Sturgill made the bluegrass albums and uh, and so. Uh, and so I, and I, you know, Tyler Childers has a mostly acoustic record live at the red barn, you know, like that stuff ended up on it. So I'm listening to a lot of that. I'm reading right now, uh, a book by Larry McMurtry, um, called Walter Benjamin at the Dairy Queen, which is kind of a memoir about his reading life. Um, Uh. and, uh, and that, and I've loved Larry McMurtry. Like when I first started writing songs, I like really got into his early novels and Cormac McCarthy's novels about Texas and like those shaped probably more of my lyrical content um, and my meter and pacing than anything else. Oh, wow. Wow. Awesome, man. You give me some homework. I need to get into Anna Tivill. I didn't even know that name. So I'm really excited to get into that. Um, and I am long overdue. I had James McMurtry on the show. I'm long overdue having uh, diving into Larry's work. I am embarrassed to say I got a copy of Lonesome Dove from the library and then uh, never got to it, had to return yeah. it. But um, man, this has been such a pleasure. Uh, your record is incredible. I'm excited for folks to hear it. And I'm just really grateful for your time and energy. This was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it a whole lot. Good. I'm glad. Have a great night. You too. Thanks. Terry Klein, y'all. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank all of you for listening. TerryKleinMusic.com for all things Terry Klein. The song you're hearing in this episode is the incredible That Used to Be My Train from Leave the Light On. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade. I just published a review of Terry's excellent new record over there. I've been writing a lot lately, y'all, and I'm going to be publishing more things on the website in the coming weeks, really ramping up sort of this whole marinade media thing. We've got a lot of cool stuff headed your way. So follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon. We're on all the things except for Facebook, y'all. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. Please go do that right now while you're listening. It makes a big difference for us and costs so little of your time and effort. If you really like what we're doing and you can swing it, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just a couple bucks a month, y'all. Two bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. I also have our show, What We're Getting Down On, with my dear friend Peter Haroldson, which is an absolute blast where we talk about the art that has us fired up at the moment. Y'all, you can now try a free trial of Patreon. You can see if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days. Set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel and keep on going if you dig it. We've got a great little community over there. I also post playlists that are exclusive to Patreon. A lot of times it's stuff that's unreleased stuff that uh, I want to share that you know, the singles are out now, but I've gotten a chance to listen to the whole record and I want to give you all a heads up about it. So follow us over there if you can swing it. Um, if not, I totally get that. And if you just want to maybe, I don't know, support us one time, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription on Patreon, I totally get that too. You can Venmo or PayPal us. We're at the marinade on those channels and all the money goes right back into the making of the show. We are going to Orange Blossom Review again this year, Jen Ross and I are. And um, 
I want to do more of that stuff. We've been really fortunate in the last few years to get to go cover some amazing festivals and some amazing shows. And a lot of that is due to our Patreon patrons. So thank you again. But y'all, above all, whether you contribute or not in that way, we're just so thankful that all of you listen and spread the word about the marinade. You keep me going. You keep me fired up about this work. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.